This is the Horse Radio Network. Welcome to Adulting with Horses, the podcast for weird horse girls. And the best place to be if you can't be at the barn. Put down the muckrake, turn up the volume, and let's have some fun. I'm Heather Wallace of the Timid Rider, and I would like to see Natalie. How are you doing this week? What's new? Hello, here is Natalie. Uh (laughs) That sounds very sad. No, no. The energy there. No, I'm just kidding. Everything is everything is good in Natalie Land. <laughs> so, um, I guess for everyone who is going to be showing at World Equestrian in their air-conditioned arenas, good for you. Um, the rest of us will just try to dodge the mosquitoes when we ride at sunrise and sunset. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason that the Winter Equestrian Festival is uh, until the end of March, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, and you could really see the exodus of trailers um, last weekend and the weekend before uh, the route that I take to my farm when I go up from my apartment in Central Florida uh, runs right up through Dunellen, which is like a town near World Equestrian Center, and people have to take the same road north to get to the interstates, and the trailers were going, like one after another, the big rigs driving north can you imagine the cost right now? Show people problems. Oh, well. Yeah, Holland. The oil reserves have needed. the diesel engines and yeah. the gas prices right now. Exactly. Like, we need every barrel we can get just to get the horses back up north. It seems like a poor use of resources. but <laughs> uh, Yeah, but I mean... I keep saying I'm going to winter or at least because I have the kids, I'm going to come down for like a weekend once a month, you know, and, and massage the horses down at WEF and WAC. And, and then somehow that time passes and I'm just like, Oh yeah, forgot to do that. Oh yeah. And it's long, but it just, it just goes right by. And it's like one of the busiest times of year as a parent, right? Like the Christmas season into spring break. Yeah. So kids are doing testing and you've got vacations to plan and you have to start thinking about where you're going to put them for the summer where you have to stow kids somewhere. Right. And yeah, it's just gone. And you get to June and you take a breath and it's like, Oh, nothing is happening. It's, you know, it's hurricane season. It's hot. We're done here. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I, I don't know how you handle humidity of Florida in the summer. I mean, I have, I struggle in New Jersey. I'm like my horse. We both hate the summer. And we would just wait for it to pass. And it's an unpopular feeling. So I don't even know how you do it in Florida. I like to leave. Oh, well, that works. So last summer, I rented a house in Colorado and I stayed there for a month. And then I drove two weeks through uh, Utah and New Mexico and Arizona. So I just touristed. That sounds awesome. And so, and the year, no, the year before that, I sat in my apartment. Um, COVID. But in 2019... <laughs> I went, was it 2019? I went to Scotland for a month. I don't remember. Um, but I, I go to cold places <laughs> and I just stay there. Very, very smart. You do like a reverse. Well, I always say when we bought our place in, in Vermont, I said, I'm going to spend the summers up there <laughs> and, then, and then the rest of the year I'll be down 
in New Jersey at home. And I've already plotted, I mean, half of July, I'm already planning to be up in Vermont. And obviously they still have seasons, it's still going to be hot, but it's going to be like 10 degrees cooler than it is here. Yeah. We learned that when we lived, when we lived in New York city, that it was, it was best to just leave in July, just go away for a little while. Um, and so we started picking cold places to vacation and it's, it's been really You know who else does that? The Europeans, they pick August and they just decide to leave. (laughs) And I think that we should all do that. Humans should be migratory. Yes. I'm going to be the reverse snowbird. I mean, I don't mind winter. I don't mind it. I don't love it, but I don't mind it. What I do mind is walking outside of my house into a wall of wet and immediately (laughs) sweating after I've actually showered. Oh, I'm just used to, I grew up here. That's just what, that's what life feels like to me. Life is damp and sticky and something is biting me. That's just, (laughs) I'm used to that. I don't want to get used to that, but then good for you. No, it's funny. All of my friends, they, they think I'm the weirdest. They're like, why do you hate summer? I'm like, I hate summer. You have no idea. I hate summer. And all winter long, I'm like, do working outside. And, you know, I ride over the winter as long as the footing is good. And I just, yeah, summer, I, I would rather hibernate. And I'm like, I think I might have something wrong with me, but I'm okay with that because I like being weird and different. So there you, I, you know, I'll give you one advantage of, of being a, a Floridian for life. And, and, you know, notice when we're together, um, you look very put together and fantastic. And I look like a mid 1950s school teacher who has given up on life. That's because I've never worn makeup. <laughs> I do not bother with my hair. My hair's always frizzy. It's humid. Yeah. So my life is so low maintenance. Like I just pull on a tech shirt pair of shorts or leggings. We're done here, people. You're ready to go. <laughs> You're ready to go. I love there's it. no point. There's no <laughs> point. Thank you for saying I look well put together because like very well. you always see me when I'm actually socializing and I, I make the effort. <laughs> now, as you know, but I appreciate I've never made an effort. The <laughs> Who is it? I went up to my friend's barn yesterday. Some really good friends with um, this these, these, uh, these girls, Connie and Allison, I went to Connie's barn yesterday to work on Allison's horse and she was, she goes, Oh my God, I love your hair. I was like, thanks. I washed it. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember at the expo, how delighted we both were with my hair when I used mane and tail conditioner in it. Cause I didn't bother bringing conditioner from home. Yes. And my hair was super pretty with mane and tail. It, it was soft. It was supple. And, you know, I told you, like, you got to get their free samples and then you're hooked. That's why they do it. Because right. the main products, they're not just made for the horses. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, it's, uh, I've learned that the hard way. And now my bank account's very happy because main and tail is, is definitely affordable. And it's, you'll never see longer, beautiful hair. <laughs> Yay! So today we're talking about the wildest things we've ever done with horses. And I don't like to brag, but also I do. 
And I have done a lot of really bizarre things with horses. People always ask me like how I fit so much in. And I explain that I usually only keep a job for like three to six months at a time. And that, that lets you get more in. It's like a book with really short chapters. You can just read so much. You can read it so quickly. And you're like, holy cow, so much story just happened. So that's the James Patterson effect, in case you were wondering. It says two page chapters. Although I mean, he writes like confessions short. of a timid writer. So, you know, am I like James Patterson or is he like me? Well, so my next sentence was they're written that way to be the exact length of time you're on the toilet, but. <laughs> <laughs> or for That's... me, it could be the exact length of time that you're in the saddle. Cause I don't ride for very long. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I don't need there. 20 minutes is good. Um, <laughs> But yeah, you know, uh, I, was, I, was, I was trying to think about the wildest things that I've ever done with horses. And, and naturally, I went to like jobs because I've had so many bizarre horse jobs. And the one that, you know, one of the things that I did was uh, I, I interned, you know, I was a, a working student sort of apprentice thing at a breeding farm. And that in and of itself, like a lot of people never get to work in breeding and breeding is fascinating and it's dangerous and it's dirty and it's sloppy. Um, but I loved it. But my job at one point was literally penis washer. So I use that for gag <laughs> value. <laughs> and your anytime husband I'm, at the field day without one at cocktail parties. Anytime I'm among civilians, I like to, well, you know, I used to be a penis washer, you know, just to, just <laughs> to, to brag, but because my conversation skills are not the greatest. So what I do is I just drop bombs, you know, like shocking off. Exactly. That's my cocktail party approach. And then I just go back in the corner and pet the dog. Um, well, now I know yeah, it was like, we were doing AI. Somebody's got to clean that thing. And so, and it's very dangerous. And I was probably working for someone who was telling me all the wrong things to do or something, but by God, those were shiny, clean penises that I handled. I mean, I love the <laughs> humble brag I, or the brag brag. I mean, you but that's know, a that's a full on brag. That's I'm a full on. <laughs> I mean, now I have a visual in my mm -hmm. head that I That's don't know Ivory Soap wanted. <laughs> so, one was the Clydesdale, one was a Frisian. So they were, they were larger those horses. Are big, those are big boys. Well, and it's, it's funny, actually, I have a friend who runs a barn and she has a stepdaughter that she put in charge of all the sheets cleaning because she <laughs> wanted this, the daughter who was in high school to really know what it meant to be, to be like dealing with a penis, right? She wanted it to be grungy. She didn't want it to be sexy. She wanted it to be a functional biological thing. And, you know, honestly, I was kind of impressed at like the chutzpah that she did. And her daughter is actually quite mature. And, and it's kind of this running joke. She's like, you know, every time they're like, oh, someone's needs to she's clean. Everyone like calls her name and she's like, I'm the penis girl. Like, honestly, I, you know, at first I went, oh my God. But now when I think about that, it really, that's one of those things that makes horse women so no nonsense that it's really hard for, you know, anyone of the species, male or female to really pull one over on us. Right. Cause we're like, whatever, we don't care. It's a penis. I've seen a thousand of them literally. <laughs> and they're all bigger than yours. Congratulations. <laughs> exactly. I did. Uh, this is, we can talk about this or not but once at the ocala barnes and noble which i worked at for a while um a guy outside the play class windows did open his coat and flash me and i did laugh very hard <laughs> this is a true story 
I just oh, I bubbled it. over laughing. I was like, okay, buddy, like this is so Congratulations. Nothing new here. <laughs> that happened to me on the subway because New York City, right? Like how many times have you been on the, the New York City subway and someone whips something out to pee or whatever? And this guy really never times, but that's just me, my love. No? <laughs> I mean, I've it's happened a number of times. I mean, not I wouldn't say to me, but like in my vicinity. And you know, you're like you can ignore it or you could be like me. And I'm like, yeah, man, put it away. Like, you know what I mean? And, and like address it head on. Right. Cause he's trying to make you uncomfortable. So like, why don't you make him uncomfortable back? <laughs> right. It's really hard to shock horse girls. I think. It really um, is. But yeah. So I thought that was, that was interesting. So anyway, that your story made me think about that. Um, very vividly. Thank you. You're welcome. It's important. <laughs> you have to know where the horses are made. Right. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, not to go along with, with your story, but like when I considering the wildest things I've done with horses, I was going to be like, oh yeah, playing with them on Mongolia, but no, because that might not be the wildest thing I've ever done. The wildest thing I ever did was teach someone how to, um, palpate like the hamstrings and the, um, the puffy area around the anus of the horse to express gas. So oh that gosh. if they were gas colicking, they would then be able to release that. So I did that this week. I need to know how to do that. I can definitely tell you how to do it. It's very easy. And not all horses are the same. So sometimes you got to feel around in there. So like <laughs> recommend wearing gloves because if you're a horse person, right? Like me, sometimes I forget and I go and have a granola bar later. And then I realize <laughs> you. So don't be like me, like wear gloves or like wash your hands. But yeah, um, I'm very prideful of the fact that I can make any horse gassy. De-gassy. So that's, oh, my, okay. wild, that's <laughs> my wildest thing I've done with horses is teach people how to actually express gas. It's never the obvious answer, is it? <laughs> but why is it always so like, well, we both chose very biological responses, <laughs> which is, I don't know if that says a lot about us. I think it just says that we're practical people. I think that's horses right. have made sense. us practical we're like horses got gas horses got dirty dicks they both got me dealt with they got well and and not to go back but like I've never cleaned my horse's sheath like never yeah sheath cleaning is not something that has always some people are religious about it I I never really have been to be honest um but yeah for breeding everything has got to be squeaky squeaky clean because you don't want to get the mare dirty I had a stallion give my mare a UTI once that's what we call really? it. Oh, so it's <laughs> it personal for guy, you. Obviously. Hmm? It's very personal for you. It was offensive because this was a big, big thoroughbred farm. We took our mare. You know, we had a certain expectation and she comes back, A, not pregnant, which ended up being a thank God because she was insane. But a B, um, dirty. He got my mare dirty. Offensive. That's just wrong. I would never have sent, sent a mare home dirty. I got in there and I scrubbed. I bet. Well, you have experience. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So I'm wondering too, like what our listeners would have, like, as you guys are listening, like, you know, if you have something that is a wild thing you've done with horses, it doesn't have to be biological. Like we've chosen, it could be something <laughs> cool like travel or whatever, um, you know, I, I definitely love to hear that. So, you know, I think probably done 
really cool non-biological things. There's probably like, loads of them out there. Yeah, like ride with the hunts in Ireland or like I wish that was my answer, quite frankly. I wish I was like, I rode with the Galway. What were the, what's the Galway one? They always want to sell you Galway blazers. I rode with the Galway blazers. Didn't fall off once. That's what I want my answer to be. Well, maybe, maybe if we do this like in another year and we do a check-in and we say, what are the wildest things we've done with horses? Maybe this is our impetus to actually do something cool and wild and not (laughs) gross and Yeah, you didn't say cool before when we when we came up with we didn't we didn't specify cool. Yeah, that's okay. So yeah, I'd be very curious to see what people would say um, going forward about the wildest things. And I mean, I guess we could think of other things. You know, I mean, it was pretty cool. I got to ride a Mongolian horse not once, not twice, but three times. You know, in the Gobi Desert on the Kenti Plain. Uh, where Genghis Khan lived and 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 left a legacy. So like, that's cool. But that's not the thing that sticks out in my brain. When you told your story, I immediately went to the butt stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so. I almost wonder in an alternate universe, if you went first, what I would have said. <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever know because this Maybe is Maybe I should be allowed to go first. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the next section I'll be talking about first. So maybe that, maybe, okay. maybe that will get you. All right. This is why I love chatting with you, Natalie, because we play off of each other really well. <laughs> and we also don't take ourselves very seriously. One more biological thing and then I'll leave it, which is I once had a vet say to me, Natalie, I love you because you always take things just a little further than what I'm comfortable with. That's a compliment. I thought so. It was definitely biological in nature. I don't remember what we were doing, but I made a comment and she just turned and looked at me. <laughs> and for you to like actually do that to a vet and the vet to take a double glance, like it must have been a real good one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, I'm intrigued now. I'm now I'm wondering like if I could guess it, but there's so much inappropriateness that's that's in my brain that I'm just going to not. I'm just going to enjoy the the idea of it. Do you remember what it was? No. Oh. No, it was probably sexual. <laughs> Isn't that the best? <laughs> Our next section is we're going to talk about one thing behind the scenes of a horse show or an endurance event that you wouldn't expect. Now, we definitely came up with this topic. I did not prepare for this topic. So we're just going to go, you know, full on ad hoc kind of very um, out of the left side of my brain. And I'm going to think about, so I've been working with a lot of endurance events lately in the last couple of years out in Mongolia. I've been to Tevis. I'm going, you know, Vermont as well. Uh, so one of the things I think that's really interesting about endurance events is they, you know, they camp with the horses, right? So, which is the coolest thing. Like, I think that's the reason most endurance riders actually get into it is like they camp with the horses. So when they're packing for the events, they have these checklists so they don't forget anything in the trailers, right? They've got extras of everything. They've got, um, 
extra toilet paper. They've got extra hay, extra straw. They've got electrolytes for their horses, electrolytes for themselves. They've got all these really basic necessities, things. But what they don't ever have for an entire weekend is a shower. (laughs) Okay. Now there's some places that you can, you know, if you're camping, they might have showers available, you know, like a, a two mile walk down to the campground or whatnot, or some people may be really bougie and have like a little outdoor shower, like attached to their trailer, but it's like very, very, very basic. And it's also most people don't have that. So if you're riding 50 miles, you're riding hundred miles, even 25 miles, right? You're sleeping overnight, you're changing your clothes, doing all that, all of which is done without showering. I'm having a hard time imagining when you said, if you're riding 50 miles, that was where my brain stopped operating. And cause I can't even comprehend that. I think, what do you ride? What do you think we ride in an average 20 minute session? Like three quarters of a mile. I mean, maybe uh, <laughs> a mile tops. And then, you know, all the time that's spent sitting there with our feet out of the stirrups, just talking. I, I don't know how that factors into that 50 miles. Um, and I don't, I didn't realize they camp. I don't know anything about endurance. I'll be honest oh, it's, with you. It's really cool. I mean, it really is cool. Um, but yeah, well, my friend told me, you know, she got into it because she wanted to do the event in Mongolia and now she's obsessed. So now I crew for her all the time. That's like and me saying I got into horse racing because I wanted to ride in the Dubai world cup. Just, you know, <laughs> like, or yeah, I'm super, I like riding stuff off. I like writing books because I wanted to win the Nobel for literature. Like what? I know. <laughs> and then I also literally, she had no idea that this was possible. And then she was like, that sounds fun. And she ended up learning how to do endurance riding. So I was there her first 15 miles. I was there her first 25 miles. And then I watched her do almost 300 miles in Mongolia. And then last summer we went out to Tevis and she did 78 miles. She didn't make it. Her horse went lame because it's a full hundred over the Sierra Nevada mountains, by the way. So how many days is the Tevis? Oh, no, it's only 24 hours. You have 24 hours to compete 100 miles. Oh. Um. Yeah. And so. Yeah, this is so out of my depth. (laughs) It's so it's so intense. And so there are people who like the people who go out to that, I will say the people who go out to that, they pull in their huge trailers. They like live in quarters trailers. So then they have a shower. Okay. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm talking about like most people that can afford to just live and pay for their horses. They don't remember to bring a shower. Right. Um, But yeah, no, it's, it's intense. I mean, I am gearing up. I mean, gearing up to do five miles. Like I feel like that is a good goal for me. Yeah. I mean, that would take like an hour. I'd be very tired. (laughs) I would be very tired. I'm not gonna lie. I gotta work up to it though. Like that's (laughs) that's and it's funny because my friend now tells me she goes, Oh yeah, let's go on a trail ride. I was like, oh no, no, no. You're an endurance rider, your trail rides are 15 miles. Okay. Her literally her trail ride is 15 miles. Like that's her trail ride. I can't even fathom. I'm like, maybe that's my max like I'll ever do. But then a lot of endurance riders are actually older people who are just tired of the sports, you know, like of hunter jumpers and all this and, and the bouginess, right. And they just want to play with their horses 
And so that's, that's kind of why endurance is so cool. I think, in my opinion, it's just so relaxed and they have fun, but they, yeah. they are smelly by the, by yeah. Sunday. It is a wreck. Gosh, that's just, that's a whole thing. I have never, I, I, when I was a kid, you know, there's that, that one photo of the Tevis cup that they had all take. It's like on death. Rock rock. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I don't know if it's just the way they shoot that photo or if that's, you're really like clinging to stones. So that turned me off of ever going anywhere near it because I'm not riding my horse up death rock with, and no, it looks terrifying. <laughs> I'm also now afraid yeah. of heights, which I wasn't when I was a kid. So now it would have to be, there's a thing in Florida called the great Florida cattle drive. Yes. I've heard of it. I want to do that. I very much want to do that. And that would be training for an endurance. Like that's an all day saddle, several days long kind of thing. And that's pretty high on my list of things. I'd like to, to find a really deadhead horse to do it on or maybe my horse would do it. We'll have to see. Um, because that just blows my mind. Like when they ride those horses through South Florida, where they used to have the the cattle and like Florida, not a lot of people realize that Florida is kind of where cattle ranching in North America began. Really? The tribes that lived in Florida took the Spanish cattle and built up herds of them and grazed them on our prairies. We have tremendous, beautiful prairies here. And, um, there are still native run ranches down in South Florida, like in the uh, reservation areas and, and all around Lake Okeechobee and stuff like that. It's an old Florida tradition and Florida used to have more cattle than Texas. That is really cool. I, I had no idea. Huge cattle ranching tradition in Florida. Like even here, like I live right outside of Orlando, right in the Kissimmee area. And Kissimmee is known as a tourist destination, but um, the, like the, my son's graduation and the county fair and all that kind of thing, it's held at the rodeo park. Like, and they don't have a state, a, a county fair day off, like you might get up north, but they have rodeo day every year. And the Silver Spurs rodeo is a huge deal. This used to be all cattle country. I have a question. Does all of this happen in February? Because I need to come live with you for a month if all of this happens at the same time. I think it does. Stop. No, I'm dead serious. I, I'm pretty sure well, it's it's in winter. The Silver Spurs Rodeo. I don't know. I lied. I don't know for sure. Um, but the because I remember the fair was going on in early February, and I, they always have a rodeo at the fair. And I think the cattle drive, if I remember correctly, it might be like end of January or something like around that time. Because I that is something that I've always wanted to do a cattle drive. My friends are doing a horse drive coming up in, in Idaho in May. And I was straight out of that. I'm sorry. That's like a hundred miles chasing what like roaming horses. Um, it's all fast paced. And I just, I don't have that kind of grit in me. <laughs> and I also don't have like the sticky pants, right. That really, right. Like, if my horse turns to get another horse, like I'm, I'm on the ground and I don't mount from the ground. Um, but a cattle drive on mm -hmm. the other hand, that's my kind of pace. Like, I would love to do something like that. Well, we're going to have to add that to the list. We're yeah. going to be very busy and very tired, but. Well, maybe we spread it out a little bit. Like start <laughs> with the Renaissance Fair. <laughs> I See think how we do. 
the cattle drive might be every two years. So that works. That would work. Yeah. yeah. Well, either way, that would be, that would be a lot of fun. And we'd give us some time to like actually work our way up to it. Cause I would need mm-hmm. to obviously borrow a horse um, or from somebody or, or, or rent or whatever. Um, but so getting back to our topic, like <laughs> you were just working behind the scenes at a horse show. Is there like uh, interesting what you wouldn't expect thing that happens behind the horse show scene? So there were two things at this horse show that struck me as funny. And I've been out of the horse show game for a while. So this was, this was a a return for me um, going back like a couple decades, let's be honest. Um, And it was a hunter, it was a hunter jumper show. And uh, I took my son. So my son was doing jump crew and I was kind of assisting him like, you know, giving he had really no idea what was expected of him so I helped him out with all that and kind of got him rolling and um we noticed that they the the show organizer told us to grab some chairs from the sound booth and the sound booth was this like block building overlooking the jumper arena we're like okay cool so we go in and we get chairs and both mornings there's a man in the sound booth who doesn't turn around never acknowledges our presence and we never saw him come out we never saw anybody go in besides us to get the chairs, no lunch or not that we saw. So we'll started to speculate. Maybe the person in the sound booth isn't part of the horse show. He's just a guy that like lives in the sound booth. Like maybe he just hangs out there and he just comes with the property and rent. <laughs> and they're like, don't worry about the guy in the sound booth. Like we don't, we don't know what he's doing there, but he hasn't killed anyone yet. Like, I don't know. There was no, <laughs> There was no indication that it could have been a mannequin for God's sake. He never turned around. <laughs> he never turned around. Did you guys no, start like trying to get his attention or were you now? Was it a, just a game? I did try to, for the first time I went in, I made some apologetic sounds because I was pulling chairs, you know, like plastic chairs apart. And, you know, and I chuckled and I said something and no, no the shoulders didn't twitch the the head did not till nothing happened and so my son went in there and he was like what's going on in the south (laughs) I don't know (laughs) are you sure it was a human man at this point (laughs) yeah I'm pretty sure it was a human man because if it wasn't who how would they have kept that secret for this long you know what I mean like somebody somebody would have come out with it and been like okay the swamp cabbage man lives in our <laughs> sound food you caught us we had him the whole time he, sasquatch is real well i, I mean, mean i really i'm meaning like like a blow-up doll or like a mannequin <laughs> but like sure let's do or i was within like a foot of him because it's not a big space <laughs> oh so i don't know if every horse show has a phantom living in their sound booth or if that was just our privilege, but there's something going on there. There's something there's that we need to dive deeper and really see, like, I'd be curious the next horror show, if you go back, will he still be there? Yeah. Yeah. They have something going on almost every weekend. So it, it could be a long-term surveillance project. So like the mystery of like, of the, the lonely sound booth or <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this could be a new urban legend that it gets created in central Florida. Yeah. But, and it could, it could give people the courage to, 
share the story of their own horse show phantoms. Because there's probably something at every show that's a little creepy. Off, right? <laughs> it's a creepy business. <laughs> Yeah, and that and there's would a, be very interesting. Yeah, there's probably something a little strange, just a little like, why is that like that? At just about every show circuit that you go to, especially the older ones, I think. Um, yeah, I think so. Well, you know, there's this new, um, I've been watching some TikToks and there's, I keep scrolling past because like I get the heebie-jeebies, I'm very superstitious, but there's a couple of these people showing like haunted barns. And like hearing the voices in the barns or shadows in the barns. And I just like, nope, get I keep scrolling through. But like, I wonder how many barns horse shows or, you know, something like that are actually have like creepy occurrences. New trip for us. Ghost tour of horse show facilities. That'll be fun. Devin's got to have ghosts, right? That place Devin is has really to. old. They have to. And Devin's so close to me. Yeah. Um, Mm. I volunteer as tribute, but I might <laughs> need to carry some kind of protective equipment. Like <laughs> you should go with full on ghost hunters and do the night goggles and everything. I have a thermal camera that I use <laughs> in my bodywork business. I'll straight up. I can use that. <laughs> but then, but here's what happens. What happens if I find something and everyone hears me scream like a little <laughs> bitch because it's I will like be trapped like trapped. No, that any t- any little girl scream, that's a sacrifice for your craft. Mm, like, that's fair. You're, you're I mean, we fair. could, when we go closer to Halloween, we could tell some spooky stories because I have ghost stories up the wazoo of like, oh, that actually happened. Yeah. To me. Yeah. To be continued. Yeah. Or see yeah, To be continued. So like for all of you listeners out there who might be interested in this topic, like gird your loins and think of your own stories because I'd even share your stories mm-hmm. on the podcast. Right. Like I want to yeah. hear them. <laughs> yes. We, we will have to get uh, a way to t- take voice recordings so we can hear people's spooky stories firsthand. Yes. Spooky, spooky month. On they the can take like voice memos or leave a voicemail yeah. and we can do. Yeah. And then, and then the, the person who gets me to scream like a little girl <laughs> wins a prize. Oh, I love that idea. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, a squeal of laughter is very different than a spooky, scared squeal. So like you have your work. Yeah. Okay. So on this episode's Pop Corner, we're going to talk about pop culture trending in the horse industry. And uh, I was recently scrolling, Natalie, through um, Heels Down magazine. And I saw, very intriguingly, that in May, there's going to be a Buy a Horse Book Day. Um, It has its own hashtag and everything. And I'm super excited about this because obviously this relates to us as authors, but I have a question. <laughs> Who is making up these hashtags and holidays? <laughs> and will there be one for every single day of the year? Hey, Where does this stop, Natalie? <laughs> when does you know, stop? I, I originally thought these were an act of Congress, which is terrifying at this point. But like, if we could go ahead and get a listen to a horse podcast today, that would be not listen to a horse podcast although that would be fantastic it would just be like lots of snorting but <laughs> a little knicker it, here and there horses <laughs> podcasting it's asmr okay <laughs> my god what a podcast right now Natalie. two two guy horses um but 
listen to a horse podcast today would well, be a great holiday that we could maybe petition our representatives to put together for us. Like, I don't know if we need to petition anybody though. I feel like we could just come up with that and be like, this is what it is. And now everyone has to follow. And like, we could lead, lead the parade. Wait. So you think as a citizen, you can just adjust the calendar to make a holiday. Do you have that power? Do we have I think that power? if we get it trending, we absolutely have that power. Oh, the power it has gone to the people. All right? It's a democracy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a horseocracy. It's a horseocracy. <laughs> Every day is free carrot day in the horseocracy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think like, I mean, I love the idea that we're going to do I know we've got this thing. So like, of course we can advertise and we can do some fun hashtags on social media and play with that for the books. But like, yeah. I'm really curious to see like who comes up with these hashtag holidays, right? Like where, where is this coming from? Is this coming from heels down? I mean, I think we need to ask like, where did you hear about this? And we need to find the source because I'm very intrigued since as an author, I had no idea about this. Well, they're pretty influential over there at Heels Down. They I have, think they could pull it off. They, yeah, I think that they could get a trending, a trending holiday going. If that is indeed the line, like, um, and one could ask what, what constitutes trending because you can really drill down on that, <laughs> on that menu to get it like to your neighborhood. Um, and if so, maybe we can get them to suggest you know, they've got a great podcast. Maybe we can get them to suggest a horse podcast hashtag. And then we all just jump on that bandwagon and play with it. Yeah. I think that there's a joint podcast uh, hashtag opportunity here is what I'm seeing. Um, I don't, I, I listen to their podcast. I don't listen to a ton of other horse podcasts. And the reason is that I listen to one podcast called podcast, the ride and it's like two and a half hours about like a random themed restaurant from the nineties. And I have to devote all of my attention. Like if they're going to talk about a restaurant themed around underwater submarines that serve submarine sandwiches, and this is a real two and a half hour podcast I listen to. I, that's just it. I got, <laughs> that's my entertainment. Gotta dive deep. Yeah. I really, yeah. Unintended. Because of the submarine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's, that's my zone out. Um, but it's, good because you're hanging out in a barn if you know like me I'm all by myself in the woods on my farm but I'm very strong and powerful would be thieves and burglars so (laughs) avoid Natalie because she makes friends with goats she has an attack goat on her property (laughs) it's a a Florida farm and I have a machete um (laughs) but podcasts are you know, that's how, that's, that's how people who live alone in the woods make their friends sometimes. <laughs> and back to the horror, you and I, like, that's, that might be <laughs> or that maybe that's how you find a boyfriend. I don't know. I don't know. That's how it all works. Everybody likes something different. Okay. <laughs> So Heather, horses are weird. And so 
this week we decided we wanted to talk about the weirdest friends our horses had ever made. Um, because what are, what are they thinking, our horses? <laughs> They're so weird. <laughs> yeah, I, I struggled a little bit with this one because I, I didn't want to go too obvious with like, oh, the miniature horse companion, which is pretty common, I think. Or, oh, the goat in the shed row. Pretty common. Um, also, why I hate goats. Um, probably willing to temporarily suspend my goat hate so that I can get my farm more cleared. But let's just say there's a big goat at Belmont, at, or there used to be anyway, and he was all over that backside and he didn't like me. And Uh-oh. I felt very, un- it wasn't that he didn't like me. It's that he knew I felt very uncomfortable around him and he um, exploited that. <laughs> right. So we had unfortunate, and actually he did chase an assistant trainer into a tack room and she was stuck in there for like two hours. So it wasn't just you. Yeah, it was Tony Dutro's assistant, I want to say, because they were in the next barn over. And she was one of the few women at, this was at Aqueduct, but then they went to Belmont and then he, yeah, it was a whole thing. I think it was Gary Contessa's goat. So if you know about New York racing at all, then all those names made sense to you. And if you don't, they're humans. Um, But... (laughs) So one time I, I was at this, I was keeping horses at this place. It was literally this guy's backyard and it was a whole thing. And he went to an auction and got this little paint. Uh, um, well, he called him the stud colt, but he was a yearling with balls and pretty, you know, standard boy yearling stuff. And he made friends with my son's stroller. <laughs> I did so, not see that coming. <laughs> very small person um at the time Calvin was under one he was he was very little and so I had a stroller and when I needed to deal with the horses and I also had Calvin sometimes I'd throw him in the stroller and it was really cute it was called a city light because he was born in New York City and they made this tiny narrow stroller that fit through um New York City like grocery store aisles which are only like three feet wide and so I loved the stroller you could I could haul it up subway steps without having to fold it. Like it it weighed nothing. It was great. And, um, I would leave it. Sometimes it would start pouring down rain and I'd leave it in the barn and the yearling kept pulling it into his stall and then just leaving it there. And it would, I would just come out and it would just be in just under his stall guard, like in the corner, like, okay, he wasn't doing anything to it. So I thought this is fine. This is just an unlikely friendship. Um, And it, it lasted, it was a good partnership for a while. He just, you know, at night, I'd leave the stroller and in the morning I would take it out. But then he destroyed it. Oh, but he just outgrew his little lovey. <laughs> yes, he just turned evil and he battered it. He ripped it. He t- it, looked like a, it looked like a tent that had blown over in a thunderstorm when he was done with it that morning. Oh, I wonder what and- he did to offend him. I mean, he's a cult, so hormones, right? He just, one day he'd grow up just a little more and and realize he could destroy things. And, and that was the end. That was the end of his stroller buddy. So that's so sad. Yeah. But I mean, be sad for me because I liked that stroller and I never replaced it. Um, He didn't, he didn't care. He really didn't. Yeah. Didn't affect him at all. Oh my God. That is ascending to a new level of brathood. (laughs) <laughs> that is an unexpected 
friend. Like I feel that I am, I am, I am shocked and surprised and actually impressed by this cult um, for even reaching out to an inanimate object and, and voicing that kind of love, um, which obviously went wrong. Yeah. You know, but uh, I think it shows imagination. Like, yeah. If anytime it's like claiming a toy and you feel like the toy is like your friend and stuff like that. And I kind of feel like maybe that's this cult. He, he, you know, he needed somebody his age to play with. And in lieu of that, he made, he made friends with a stroller. Okay. Well, <laughs> I think that's super interesting. Um <laughs> And it is definitely not traditional. Like I thought you were going to say like a llama or something like that, you know? Um, so that's, <laughs> but well, and to get back to your story about, <laughs> about animals chasing you, like I consider myself a pretty, you know, pr- pretty good with animals. One time I was working on this one woman's horse and her rooster was offended because I, I, I kind of used my leg to like ask him to move away because he was really, really close to me. And that was the wrong thing to do because then he then, hunted me. I mean, there's no other word for it. He straight up hunted me. I was his prey. I had to back up into my car and it was a good like 25, 30 feet. And I've never been so scared in my life that that rooster was going to um, call me in the face. Mm -hmm. And I know that they do that too. So, I mean, I barely escaped with my life. Um, Thank God I wear glasses, but yeah, I was good. We were, everybody was fine, but, um, but yeah, I don't mess with birds. Like I do not mess. They're very unpredictable. They are related to dinosaurs very directly. <laughs> I do not mess with birds. Um, that being said, snakes, bats, I'm good with, you know? Um, but so the weird, this is the, this is the weirdest friend. So, um, I am allergic to bees. I'm just going to preface this. I'm allergic to bees and wasps. And I found this out very wrongly on a trail ride one day when I landed in a yellow jacket nest. Okay. (sighs) Because my horse was getting stung. We woke them up. My horse was getting stung and he was warning everybody. So I, we got everybody out and I was the last to dismount and get off. And he took off and I landed on my back as I do, because I'm not graceful and (laughs) found out I was allergic to wasps as I'm running across the field, hitting myself with a crop, trying to get them off. Okay. So fast forward about five years, six years, and I'm working with trailer loading with Ferris. And Ferris has been known to make friends with everybody. He loves dogs. He loves cats, also hates birds. So like he and I are very similar like that. We're doing really good trailer loading. And then summer hits. And suddenly there's this wasp that is decided to make a home out of the trailer. Okay. And they've started taking all of the, the saddle blankets right? And the, the saddle pads and like, there's little mud nests all oh, over yeah. and then up in the, up in the, the eaves of the, the tack room, which is attached to the trailer. And so I go in there, I open the door and like something would fly out at me. And then I'd look, uh, you know, and with a broom <laughs> and I kind of, but I never took the nest down off of the eaves because I didn't want to piss them off and, and get stung. Right. Right. And so as I'm working loading on him, I ended up actually, we came to terms with this one wasp. It turns out it was a mud dauber, right? So I did my research. There's solitary wasps that actually create these mud nests and they're pretty chill. They're pretty, as long as you don't mess with their nests, they're pretty chill, right? Mm-hmm. And so 
I would be working with him in the trailer and standing there walking around and I would look up and there would just be the mud dabber would actually come out of the tack room and sit on the side of that Ferris would be and just watch. <laughs> it was crazy. Like I felt like Charlotte's web, right? Like Charlotte, like suddenly this, this animal was kind of sentient. And so Ferris and this wasp used to hang out together all the time. <laughs> and I would be kind of trying to give my distance, but it was such a cool thing. And I never expected, um, to not be afraid of this wasp. But of course, you know, when we moved to Barnes, the wasp flew out and left her, the nest behind and I left the nest in now. So we don't get new wasps. Right. Oh, so that way um, that happens, but they also kill spiders. So I figured the wasp had to be my friend because I hate spiders so much. And so I found all these little spider carcasses all over the ground of my trailer. And so I've decided that Ferris and I were going to adopt this wasp. <laughs> we're going to be best friends and it would never sting me ever because I wouldn't mess with it. And so it wouldn't mess with me. And I stand by that. And now we're back at the same barn again. And if I see that wasp, I'm going to introduce myself again and we're going to make nice, like we're going to be friends. So I don't die and get stung. <laughs> I, anytime you can get a reaction out of a bug, that is amazing to me. I startled a caterpillar the other day and I laughed for like 10 minutes. <laughs> How does one startle caterpillar, Natalie? Okay, so <clears throat> this is cater spiky caterpillar season in Florida, which is just one of our hell seasons. And basically there's this, there's this caterpillar that is around for like two weeks and if it has hairs on it and if you touch the hair, it'll make you really itchy. So people think it stings them, but it doesn't, it just sucks. Um, so we were, we were eating at a picnic table on the way to the farm and there was one headed for our stuff. And so uh, I put a piece of lettuce in front of it off my sandwich. I just, and it went, oh, like it slung backwards. <laughs> like it was an elephant trunk. Like it just went backwards and up. Like, what is this? It was so, so sounds very dramatic. I mean, was, are you sure this isn't a New Jersey caterpillar? That's why it was so because it's a caterpillar, and yet it was expressing the shock and surprise <laughs> that I had no idea like a bug was capable of. And <laughs> then it started to eat the lettuce. So it worked because it, we kept the we made a little fortress of lettuce around it so it would leave us alone while we ate. It completely worked. Um, and then I startled some assassin bugs the other day, which ironically assassin bugs eat the caterpillars, but they were, I walked out of my house and put something down on the porch railing and assassin bugs rear up too. That's their thing. And they, there were two and they just jumped back and went like threw up their front legs in shock. Like, what are you doing here? It's like I you just, have your own hype squad. Like, you're <laughs> Natalie, what have you been up to lately? I'm just so shocking to everybody. With the bug world, the insect world, which you have to in Florida. You so, have to. Yeah. There's there's no getting around it when you live in Florida, but that's also why I don't live in Florida. So. And it's good that you're you are making friends with solitary wasps because they are incredibly beneficial and they yeah. don't come after people. Um, and yeah, they eat they eat other bugs. Sometimes they're the only thing in your garden that eats destructive insects and they pollinate, which you need. 
It's like, like they're, they're doing the beach being work. so good for the environment. You are. You knew. I mean, you know. You and Ferris. I'm just the best. When you I- guys are like Captain Planet and Captain Planet's horse. <laughs> and then shock and awe over here with you. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I said the caterpillar. <laughs> you did. You're a good girl. We're proud of you. <laughs> Yay! Okay, Heather, I think that is a closing out (laughs) for this podcast. We definitely covered some interesting topics um, on this recording, and I hope nobody was eavesdropping in my apartment or they're going to wonder what on earth we talk about. (laughs) Like, I thought this was about horses. It's all about horses, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, Especially when we talk about penises. Yeah, that's all equestrian stuff, please. So um, next time, I'm really looking forward to this. We are going to cover a couple really interesting topics. We're going to talk the most unlikely places that we've somehow managed to find horses. All right. So, you know, whether it's the top floor of an apartment building, I'm just saying, or... (laughs) the bottom of the sea. Where did we find a horse? This is going to be weird, but fun. Then we're going to talk about our top three bucket list items, um, horsey style. And uh, when book picks go wrong, which is always good because I'm always recommending the wrong things. And then um, for popcorn, we're going to be talking something super sexy, Bridgerton, hopefully not penises. No, horses in Bridgerton. Horses in Bridgerton. Get your mind out of the gutter, people. Oh, my God. Once it's there, it's there. It's very hard to go up when you're already down. (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that we had better stop right now, Heather. Hard stop. (laughs) That's true. I guess we better call it a day. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening, and see you next time. Thank you for being a little weird with us, horse girls. If you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on your player of choice. Follow us on Instagram at Adulting with Horses Podcast, or even better, join our Adulting with Horses Clubhouse on Facebook, where you can become part of the show. Also, it's a great place to meet other horse crazy women. Thanks, and see you next time.